All right, welcome back to Long Island, or maybe the world's... Maybe both. ...number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and Nefaro, here on a special Wednesday edition where we have the honor of, honestly, a true legend of professional wrestling, Mr. Todd Gordon. Uh, He'll be with us shortly. Um, Yes, sir. Jimmy, I could tell... Just the way you came in I am here. so juiced. You are so jacked up. Yeah, I am. Todd Gordon. Mm. He's seeped up. He's seeped up. Is, Todd is what, God. What is it? Is it because he's the originator yeah, man. Of, the, of the engine that yeah, you Yeah, and I go way back pretty much to the beginning, you know, as, as you know, when it first came to my eyes on cable. So I, I remember quite a bit about Mr. Gordon. Yeah. I'm psyched. Out of my mind. I want to put barbed wire around my head right now. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting crazy. All right, don't mark out though. I just did. Oh, too All late. Right, well, it's too, it's too late now. Little Great. shout out, uh, the what Marty Janetti finale. We had our first watch along. How, how do you feel that experiment went? I thought it went well. I just wish that my phone would have behaved a little bit better, but I really did enjoy it. I thought it you was did. very cool, and I'm glad that you, uh, you know. Went down that avenue, and we'll do it again, right? Absolutely, and I want to give a shout-out to Dark Side of the Ring. Yes, sir. Who used our interview (laughs) in the the season finale. How How cool. Little roll call as people are rolling in. Jason right. Morning, loose in Yay. the house. Loose. We got Benny Scala, who Benny. Dan and Benny's show will be on at 10 o'clock. Benny where was on last have, night. Uh, yep. On their show, they have they independent wrestler Sam Steele, female okay. wrestler. Benny feels like she is... Uh, Up and coming. Yeah. Nice. Jason. We, I was surprised to see our footage on Dark Side of Ring too, but I'm really not surprised, right? I mean, they. Uh, it's about damn thanks to you time. guys. That's why. Go. That's why that's happening. Anyway, before we get to Mr. Gordon, mm-hmm. help me, Jesus! What? Hawk appears to drop Snake on woman before attacking to get it back. Wow. It turns out that snakes don't need a plane to fall from the sky. <laughs> In a bewildering series of events, a Texas woman. <clears throat> was injured after a hawk appeared to drop a snake on her before swooping down and launching an attack to attempt to recover the prey. Peggy Jones was mowing her lawn in Silsby, about 100 miles northeast of Houston, Texas, on Tuesday, mm-hmm. when out of nowhere a snake plummeted from the sky before landing on her arm and wrapping itself around her limb, mm. she told the Houston-based NBC affiliate KPRC-TV. Is nice. that like WKRP in Cincinnati? Yeah, except this is in Houston. There you go. Does it have a theme song? Let me hear it. We're at KPRC-TV in Houston, Texas. Nice. Nice. There we go. I knew you could table that. You on. knew it, baby. As the snake tightened around her arm, the hawk suddenly yeah. swooped down from above and started attacking Jones as it tried makes to sense. play the serpent This away makes sense, by the way. Go the ahead. snake was que- squeezing so hard, and yeah. it was waving my arms in the air. Mm-hmm. And then the hawk was swooping down, <laughs> clawing at my arm over yep. and over. Oh, Jones, yeah. who did not immediately respond to the request to comment on NBC. Okay, enough of that. Well, here's the key, though. She kept saying, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And the hawk came at her at least four times before it finally managed to get the snake and fly away. Now, I ask you, do you know why... The snake was dropped. No. Okay, when hawks catch something, they drop them from a great height to stun the crap out of them. It's almost like an aerial stone-cold stunner. And then they just go down because there's less resistance. What you say, Dinner! What you're saying to me really does sound like it makes a lot of sense. But okay. my wife is the bird lady. Have you been watching the Wildlife Channel? My wife is the bird Donna lady. Donna is the Wildlife I will, Channel. Okay. I will check. 
to see whether what you're saying is true I, well, or not. I've but the, what you are you are presenting to me sounds very logical. I think that's pretty much what happens. They they, take they get them disoriented. Up a height. Yes, they take them up to a height and they drop them, and it totally screws. Now they may not always do this, but I actually have seen this. Didn't seem like it worked with that snake. Actually, it was working fine. The problem is, is that the damn thing landed on a human. But then it wrapped itself around a human. Right, because so it was like, help! It was, but it was awake. It was ready Of to course go. it was awake. It, it landed on a nice soft arm. It was supposed to land on a rock. Upcoming shows, Farrow, Three. on August uh, 10th, which yeah. would be tomorrow. Okay. Sal Corrente back for a second on seven at 7.45 Very p.m. nice. Very Sal, nice. who wrote the Bruno Sammartino book. Mm-hmm. And then on the main, that would be on This Week in Wrestling, guys. And on the main mm-hmm. show, Barry Horowitz returned at 9 p.m. The great Barry Horowitz, who we had in the studio yeah. how many years ago? Two years ago, maybe? Is it two years already? It's wow, that went fast. Okay. Now, both of those, obviously, will be over the internet, but on September 15th at 6.30 p.m., the return of the great Manny Fernandez, yes. who will be in the studio. I love Manny Fernandez. And September 17th, Barry's back. Barry oh. Windham returns. You love Barry huge, even more than Manny. Huge Barry Windham yep, fan. Yep, absolutely. I wonder why Todd didn't try to get Barry in ECW. We'll have to ask him. Maybe. We might have to. All right. September 29th, PN News comes all the way from Europe. The show Respect. He'll be in studio for the great Mike Mantar. Um, that's going to, Mike, not for nothing, that's probably going to be pretty emotional. I, I would think it would be. You know? All right. That was cool. The, you know, it's funny you brought that up. It's so just, bothering me. I was thinking about Baby Doll. Baby Doll. She was Baby cool. Doll kind of got a little upset in the studio yes. that time. Yes. What was she getting upset over? Refreshing? Her kids, her kids. Yes. Yes. Baby Doll was Sam a cool Houston. person. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I really liked her. She was great. She was, she was right. real. I enjoyed her. Seven forty-five. Duke the Dumpster Drosy. Nice. And then nice. we also, I think, we have Doink in at that time and okay. Teal Hopper. Got, got Ray coming in, which I haven't, you know, officially announced, but I think that's all coming. Okay. Sometime. Okay. Um, I do have a little surprise for you. It's not official yet, but Ken Shamrock will be in studio. Get out of here, yes. Ken Shamrock. Oh, I'm loving will be that. Making his appearance on the Monty and the Farrow oh, show. God. By the way, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He should be. Abe, you're, you're Ken Shamrock, Mark, or what? Yeah. You know Shamrock. Very nice. From UFC. Of course. Yeah. Dude, he's a legend. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. And, Sweet. Uh, and, and, Sweet. Cheer, and cheer me, cheerleader Melissa what? will be in studio. Get out of here. Yeah. Okay. But not official, official yet. Okay, okay. So working on it. Gotcha. I would like to thank the band that sings the theme song for Monty Nefaro and Jimmy Farrell, along with his partner, Mark Riggs, make up the band with Stereo Hall, which Stereo Hall sings such... Singing such great songs <laughs> in my dreams this life not far behind here comes a rain you can find their music on the wisteria all youtube page and what do you do when you go to youtube you like and subscribe and what else flip on over to the monty and the pharaoh youtube channel like subscribe and become a member Go to Spotify, Apple Music, Reverb Nation. Get all those great Wisteria Hall songs. Thank you. You know, how's, how's, the, uh, how's, how's the new album coming? Well, we got the stuff into Cliff. So basically now it's, it's, uh, there are some vocals we're going to cut. But that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Now Cliff will do his little magic wand in the uh, mixing, and we should be good to go. I hope three is the lucky number, dude. I really do. Oh, I thought one or two were pretty lucky. No. I, I, oh, I'm I understand talking, what you're I'm saying. You want me to have Rihanna numbers, I not want, the Beatles. I Forget want, them. I want com- we want Rihanna. I want commercial success. I got you. Yeah, who doesn't? I, I'm with that. That's if cool. you didn't know it, you are watching the world's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro. Why, why is it the world's? In case people forget why it's the world's number one. You got an hour? 
I mean, what do you want me to do? Just give, give me the most important part of it. The most important part is, is, is that we are engaging, entertaining. We are real. We actually are knowledgeable. We will ask people questions and know what the hell we're talking We'll let them You know talk. what? Now I'm going to have to talk to Todd because now you're off your game because the answer to that question I'll have to answer What, that we have Todd Gordon on? That, but, okay. but beyond that. What's it, what? Because Jim Beam... Said so. There you oh go. Oh my God, buddy. man! You know, I mean, you're you could, you're gonna hit me with the whiskey bottle. Give me a clue. I mean, it's just like you know, there's a million things we could say. Catch us on the Monty DeFaro YouTube page, Monty DeFaro Facebook Live page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. Catch us on the Monty DeFaro Twitch TV page. Catch us in uh, if you're lucky enough to live in New York. Lucky. Channel 115 every Tuesday at 9:30 p.m. and Saturday at 11:30 mm-hmm. a.m. Mm-hmm. and Channel 20 at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Where over 150,000 people watch people. us weekly. A lot of people. Again, I'm going to tell everybody here in New York, our contract is up so, August 14th. And? It's still a negotiation. Oh, my time. God. Why, why do we always have to sweat it to the last second? What is this? Maybe they're sweating. Maybe they're sweating. You know, there's a reason why I really like you, and I think that might be it. That could be it. That's, that's, that works for me. But, by the hey, way, can I just ask real fast? Is Mr. London coming in on the 12th? I didn't hear him. Yes. He is. Paul London. Paul London. Okay, cool. Just want to make I, sure. I might have missed like, that one. No, that's fine. See, also, I'm on my game after all. Guys, again, yeah. we're going to reiterate. Go to the Intuitive Network. It's a free app. It's got movies. It's got documentaries. It's got video, music videos. It's comedy shows. It's got horror shows. It's got fitness shows. And it's free. Hey, you're on your game too. There and you know go. how it's spelled, right? I do not. Can you help you me with don't? that? You don't? Okay, help I'll me. help you out. It is spelled I-N-2-I-T-I-V-E. That's intuitive. Get into it. Hey, by the way, Abe, I had a fan write and said, our monologues are way too long. Get right to the interview. What do you think? What are your thoughts what? about that? Shoot that uh, blimp down. I mean, it depends on the interview, I guess, but I like the monologues. Yeah. I, think, I think it's fun. I think it's a good little, uh, little, you know, intro to the, you know, because it, it's, it's more general than just like interviewing one single person. But that's know? what I'm saying. You want to start your show off like, like this? Hi, Todd. Yeah, also, they, could just, they could just wait <laughs> for the interview. Let's get right to it, Todd. Let's talk about Welcome the... to the studio. How do like, you... they could just, they can wait for the interview, you know what I mean? Like, the interview's not going anywhere. Well, get some old gear, right? They're all yeah. ready. It's really, we're warming it up. Yeah, could you imagine like... if Letterman just went right to the guest? Yeah, and it's like, if what it's a the... good interview, you guys will go as long as you need to, you know yeah. what I mean? So and, it's not like they're missing anything. And we're like anything. fluffers. Right? Yeah, exactly. We're like fluffers. We're fluffing yeah. it up. We're fluffing exactly. the audience And what up. does it say? Under the, it, this is a show. Yeah. It's, it, 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 what the, it's I'm sorry. Anyway, we want to get to our guests. So yeah, let's get don't. to our guests. Stop bullshitting. We'll be right back <laughs> with the great legend icon. I'm excited. Yeah. You're excited. Yeah. The world's excited. Yeah. Todd Gordon. Todd is God. Todd is God. In a minute. Sir? Ah. Manscaped? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, have you tried the new equipment that's been sent? I'm afraid because it says Weed Whacker. <laughs> I'm scared. Maven, Manscaped, what are you thinking about Love Manscaped, it. dude? Love it. What do you use it for? Necessity. <laughs> what don't I use it for? Put it this way. <laughs> the only hair I have on my entire body is these eyebrows. Yeah. That oh. you see. These wow. caterpillars racing to the middle of my nose. That's it. <laughs> that is it. That's all, that's all I have. And that's all I want. That's the so, fair. Manscaped is a must. We were talking before the show. There's nothing worse 
than just hair. Yeah. Right? Hair on a woman, hair on a man, it's just bad. Absolutely. And it's the one thing that the older I get, it starts growing more in unwanted areas. Absolutely. I hate it. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh-oh. Just going to go out there. Oh, boy. Go for it. You're doing a deed. Yes. <laughs> Again, I don't want you to have to admit this because we, as men, we try not to admit this. But if you're going to go oh, do I a know deed it. on a woman, I know would you rather have her be hairless or a little hair, racing stripe, or <laughs> racing stripe. full retro bush? <laughs> racing well, stripe. Retro bush is out. Yes, thank you. Retro bush is out. Yeah. Um, I don't mind a small, well-manicured landing strip. <laughs> Every now and then, if it's completely, and I'm talking like baby's ass bald, mm. then I, I start, where is that pedophilia line that I'm, that I'm, I don't, I don't wow. want to wander into that. That's very interesting. Like that. I never thought about wow. that. You're a smart dude. Holy shit. So if the landing strip is clean enough for the plane to go in smoothly, you're cool with that. If the landing strip is, has like I said, well manicured, yeah, you yeah. can see both sides. It's not like blinking lights on both sides I, of that. Landing? I just don't. I don't want. <laughs> you know, I don't want the shrubbery going off into yeah. unwanted areas on that. Gotcha. As well. Oh, yeah, look but what you found. Ooh, I got to be all gotcha. honest though. Hey, the, ah. the, the older <laughs> I get, though, I don't. I think I don't think I can be as. Uh, I found it. I found it. Have you ever gone down there and like just like you, she slowly brings down the underwear? Then what is? Retro. Just Absolutely. You're like, whoa. Wow. Yeah, like, I'm 46, like it pops out? Do you like walk out or what do you do? No, I, tr- I muster through. I muster up the <laughs> courage to get He's a trooper. <laughs> yeah. He's a trooper. <laughs> Gotta give him a name. Yeah, not, all, not all heroes wear capes. Yeah, I, there you no, go. I hear you. Uh, <laughs> listen, can't, I couldn't, I couldn't Super say Bush. I couldn't say it. Well, <laughs> if you have the same beliefs as Maven, does Manscaped could help you? Absolutely. The weed whacker. Absolutely. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that I may have to, like, you know, go in a room, close the door, and hang out with the weed whacker for a little while. Yeah, I think you're a retro guy, aren't you? I like 70s adult films, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, with that, we're going to take a quick Batman. commercial break, and anyway. we'll be back with this wrestling icon, Maven. We will see you in a drop kick second. A uh, drop kick. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestler and broadcast, Monty Nefaro, where we're welcoming the great Todd... Gordon, how are you, sir? No, that monologue wasn't too long, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Monty and the Pharaoh. What the is legends. Up? Oh, my God. You have real advertisers and everything. Are you kidding me? Cheers, Mr. Gordon. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Lachaim and all that other good stuff. There By Monty, right off the jump, quick question. Go ahead. Maybe I misunderstood your opening bit there, but are you trying to tell me you never wrapped your snake around a girl's arm or leg? I have. I My snake? Yeah. <laughs> what is it, a garter? Um, that wasn't what you were talking about, right? Uh, well, no. Well, you, you know what? You, you kind of knocked me off my game there a second. I wasn't, <laughs> I, job, wasn't I was not ready for that. Um, let me put it this way, Todd. It's been so long that if oh, no. I ever did, oh, I go. cannot remember anymore. So I'll have to take the fifth. <laughs> the monologue was good. It's all right. Thank you, sir. You're okay as far with that? as I go, the arm, the leg, the neck, the foot, hey, you know. That's why they call you the Pharaoh. Todd. Yeah. Thank you, sir. By the way, I'm, I'm just carousing your book right which uh by the way todd is god written by todd gordon 
the great Todd Gordon. The great Todd along Gordon. Along with the great Sean Oliver. Absolutely. Right? Sean Oliver to all wrestling fans is... Uh, pro's pro. We call him the original OG, right? He's the a guy pro's that, pro. The guy that had the vision and makes it work. Yep. A lot of guys have vision. That guy, that guy makes it... He gets it done, right? You know? But, Todd, I'm very excited I start reading your book, right? I just came from Amazon yesterday, so... One thing I was looking through the book, and I'm like, you know, Todd and Sean didn't put any pictures in here. Uh-oh, here he goes. And I said to Farrell, I'm going to have to bust Todd's balls because he didn't put any pictures, pictures in here. pictures right in the middle. But y- you found them. Yeah. So, Todd, respectfully, I got to tell you, is that your wife in the ba- in those pictures? That's your wife? What pictures? <laughs> in the book. <laughs> in your book. In the middle. Hold on. I'm going to find What picture you get? Hold on, Todd. No, I know the pictures. Yeah. Show, yeah. Them, show them the picture you're so talking there's about. There's a picture of you. You got to go to the glossy pictures. Your pages. wife. You know, first of all, we got to put the pictures in the middle of the book. I'm going to have to call Oliver. It's glossy. About this. It's hard, hard to miss. Well, hold on. I don't want to take oh up. Oh, my God. Keep talking to Todd until I hey, find this. Todd, do you believe this? No, I got to know. I guarantee there's no wife in any picture. There you go. So it's not his wife. He's She's guaranteeing got, it. All right, hold on, Todd. Just please hold on. Just look for the glossy. You want me to get it for you? Hold on, this is unbelievable. <laughs> Todd, what are you drinking? Why don't you fill in the folks at home? What do we got? Like, some gray goose? We got some gray goose. Very nice. Very nice. The goose is loose. The goose is loose. It's going to get looser before this Always. interview is up. You realize that? That's the idea. Nice. All right. Oh, there's the glossy pictures. All right. All right. Okay. So there's a picture of you and Adriana on your wedding day. Adriana? Am I pronouncing oh, that right, Adrian? Adrian? But yes, yes, Adrian. Adrian. Okay. Yeah, yes, that's my wife. Yes, that is your wife. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> okay. Fuck. So that's, I, that's I, I just want to tell you. You know me. that you have her in the book. You know you started the whole fucking night off with getting me and give me heat over here. Thanks. I, I, nice. It's his idea. It's not well, mine. All oh I'm God. trying to get across is. You are Why a you lucky ask? man. This is a beautiful woman, there dude. There you go. I, I was yes, like, wow, is. Gordon yeah. can can still pull it. Can I see? Yeah, look. Let me see. Yeah. Oh, what? damn. Todd is God. <laughs> wow. You are God, Nicely Todd. done. Nicely done. We're 15 years together, man. It's all awesome. good. Congratulations. That's, about awesome. eight, that's, that's eight years ago, seven years ago, but we're together 15. Okay. Lovely. That's great. Lovely. All right, stop looking at the pictures. I'm Let's sorry. The I was going to I was going to walk off and Again, I, you know. Can you tell people right. out there where they can get the Todd is God book? Todd? Oh, thanks for asking. Anywhere you want, any bookstore there is, Amazon, any place online, uh, Barnes and Nobles, uh, Simon Schuster, we're wow. distributing it. It's it, 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 anywhere you want. It's a beautiful cover too, by the way. Very eye-catching. So, I figured I'd throw it out. Thank you. It, it looks is. great. It looks great. It is. In actuality, there's stuff in there is stuff in there that will even blow your guys' minds. That's hard to do. Really? Extra Fonzie stories. It's hard for me to like top a Fonzie story, but there are a couple that are right in there. Todd, well, I wanted to ask you before we get started. The Todd is God. Did that ever make you feel uncomfortable? Because after all, God is you know. The, the, it was, it's not my choice to name the book that. I went back and forth with Sean. Back and forth with Todd. He was, they, he had a chin. If you have a chin, it's something people recognize. On your birthday and stuff, your whole wall got 800 people saying, God is good. That's how they know you. 
you got to use that title. I said, it feels weird. He said, it's for wrestling fans. They know. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we we went with that. Perfect. And you... Jimmy asked me like how I felt about it, right? Because I'm, you know, I'm pretty religious, you know. And I was like, nah, it's yeah, that's what the fans they they, they chanted that. Yeah. So it, there's nothing wrong. I was with just that. curious. I yeah. loved it back in the day. I was right along with the rest of them. But I will tell yeah. you, again, don't take it the wrong way. But if you ever what? saw the movie The Devil's Advocate, yeah, this has kind of got uh, like a devil's uh, advocate uh, feel to it, right? It does. Here. It does. It does. It, it looks like Todd is cool. God, but that's maybe. Cool. He might. He may be something else. Ah, what do you think of that? A <laughs> great goose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Hit it, hit it. Rock and roll. Okay, so at the beginning of your book, of course, is the forward, which is written by you know written by Terry Funk. How did that make you feel to have someone of Terry Funk's stature write your forward? And what was your relationship with Mister Funk, the great Terry Funk? Terry Funk is God to me. There you go. You can see Todd's got Terry Funk is God to me. For the first time he came in, our very first TV taping, when Eddie Gilbert brought him in, he was, you know, the legend. He was already a legend. And all he did was over the years in ECW was become more of a legend. And he personally made Shane Douglas a name. He personally made Public Enemy a name. He personally made Sabu a name. He had main events, all three of those people. And without that, I don't know if they become main eventers. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But he automatically elevated them to that level. He was the most kind and generous guy, and we had a great relationship. I was so humble and touched that he agreed to do forward. Uh, and he saw it, you know, we just always got along. He was just he's a wonderful man and a locker room leader. I can tell you that I can never forget the night. He's in the locker room, and someone came hobbling in. Could have been J.T. Smith, one of the young guys. Come on over here. Bring your chairs around. We're in the locker room. So all the wrestlers come up, they pull the chairs up. Listen to me. When you go to a town, you rent a car, and you get the insurance, and you drive that sub-to-bitch radio damn telephone pole or something. <laughs> then you get all your medical bills paid for it. And I'm sitting there like, wow. I mean, these other guys are going to let him write this down at stop sign. And sure, it's like, yeah, got it. Like, that's the way we do it. That's old school. How do you come that's about Terry Funk's story. How do you come about getting Terry Funk? Was he asked by, by you? Was he asked by Sean? I mean, how does Terry Funk wind up writing the forward? Uh, actually, Sean called him up. It's okay. very true. Cool, I, I didn't want to put him in that position of saying no to me. Because I respected him too much. So if he said no, that's cool. But... You know, let Sean ask him, so he's not put in an awkward position. And he was like, go, go, I'd love to do it. He was, I love time. Which, yeah, was touching his He was so important to us. So he put us on the map. Come on. Yeah. Yep. Tell us a little about your relationship with you and Sean. How, how did you guys end up building a relationship, and how does he eventually come to get you to write this book? Well, he got me on to do two DVDs. The first one was a double DVD, just only like one year of ECW, like 93, 94. Then the second one is a goofy, stupid, you shoot thing where people ask questions and he pulls out dumb props and says, hey, who smoked this? Who sort of that? You know, whatever. But we got along great. We had a, we had a rapport. We played off of each other. It was, it was a natural thing. He's, 
I said in his book, I wrote in his book, uh, as a blurb, at least the, the greatest straight man ever, mm -hmm. Abbott Costello. He's like yes. Abbott. Yes. He's like uh, always the best straight man in the world. He knows how to Rowan and Martin. He's Rowan. Right. He knew how to play the straight man, make the other guy look good. Yeah. Without ever losing his own cool. And I, that's why I wrote this book. And I said, oh, there's a blurb. I said, dude, like, you work great at what you do. So we became friends. We'd talk on the phone and, and say something. I go, oh, my God. That reminds me of time. Sam made me, and I tell a story. He'd be rolling the floor. He goes, that's got to go in the book. I go, well, yeah, that's not going to be a book. So I know. Next story here, a couple weeks later. Dude, we've got to write a book. So I am not writing a book. It's, you know, that was 100 years ago. He said, tell me the story about when you and Paul left. I said, okay. He goes, well, that story's never been told before. I said, I know. He said, we have got to write this book. It's important to me. It's important to the faith. We've got to do it. And the more you pet, you know, hammering, I've been going, I've been going, I've been going, fucking, all right, let's do it. And the pandemic and all, we are spending about eight to ten hours a week on a Zoom call, see you night alone. And he'd say, tell me a story about five. 45 minutes later, three stories later, he's got it all recorded. Tell me something about November, remember, whatever he'd say, he would just spark stories by head. They went two things, they were all over the place. And he had this impossible task to try to go and re listen to all these recordings and put them in some kind of chronological order. Uh, and he did it, and he was, I don't know how he did it. Because I just, I don't even do you guys. I just go here. I just keep telling stories. That's what I did with him, and he put it all together and made, I think, a really enjoyable, readable book. Todd, what did, what were you thinking about your ECW legacy that Sean had to convince you? I mean, were you underestimating the impact that it had on the fans, or were you just, was it just in the back of your mind over the years? You weren't even thinking about it. The fact that Sean had to convince you was very interesting to me. I think my ego wasn't that enormous, you know, that I could like say, hey, by the way, here's what I did. <laughs> it really wasn't Paul Heyman's ECW, even though everybody seems to call it that. I actually hired him. He worked for me for like years before we ever made any kind of business transactions or switch over. And he goes, but you know, nobody knows that. I said, yeah, bro, about that 30 years ago. I don't think about it like that. Mm. He said, people need to know what really happened. People need to know what you did, what you didn't know. For sure. They don't know. I go, I understand that. Uh, are you glad at this point? Me. Are you glad at this point that you wrote well, this? Well, now I am. I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting the kind of feedback now that says, like, dude, like, I didn't know you wrote that angle. Or I didn't know that was your idea. Or, wait, you're the one who made that. It's all in the book. Was, yeah. I only told you the things I did. And say, I never told you anything I didn't do. My philosophy is so simple, guys. All I wanted to do from day one was put on shows that I would want to see, that I'd want to go to. Uh, our first big main event, first big show, Terry Funk, Stan Hansen, mm. Abdul Busher, and Kevin Sullivan. Mm. I wanted to see that match at Sony Wrestling Arena. I realized that my taste is their taste because I was one of them less than six months ago or eight months before it started. I said, I was a fan too. I was always a fan my whole life, but I hated, you know, the 
shit was being thrown at us. Cartoons and actual cartoons. And, you know, the bait and switch. Oh, God. I hated the bait and switch. I hated when they say, oh, someone's going to get a mask tonight. They build it up for a month. Then, there's got another mask underneath. Oh, I want to throw up. Oh, someone's getting stripped tonight. Yeah, no, they're not. You know, they're going to have a blanket over them. Uh, so whatever stipulation was, it was always a rip-off. And that used to insult my intelligence. I swore that if I ever had a chance to do something like this, I would not insult the fans' intelligence. I mean, we did Ian Axel Rodden against a much for another team. Loser was split up forever. Ian Axel, a tag team of 15 years. Yep. yep. Never tagged again. Right. We honest. We didn't sort the. We didn't sort his intelligence. We never unmet. Well, we said someone get stripped in the ring. Angel Amoroso flashes all four sides. Got some help from that from the commission. But I, said, hey, I didn't know what was going to happen. It was an accident. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever I said back then to keep us going. But we made a promise. We kept it. And that was so important to me. I just didn't want to insult these people. So I hate getting insulted myself. Perfect. We're speaking to the great Todd Gordon, who recently came out with his book, Todd is God, which I also is coming out on audio, I think, in another two weeks or so, I believe. Excellent. So, Todd, if I'm going to make a hard... August 15th. August 15th. Nice. If I was to make a hard sell to a fan out there, what is Todd Gordon's favorite chapter of Todd is God? Wow. I mean, my favorite chapter is a very intimate, personal chapter about a loss of a loved one. But on a you know upbeat side, I guess my favorite chapters were the posse, which was me, Sandman, Scorpio, and Fonzie. We traveled everywhere together, and some of those road stories are <laughs> they're just insane. We three one. That's no. So, you want me to throw you one? <laughs> throw it. Throw it. Not not the bottle of Grey Goose, but the, yeah. you know, hit it. Okay. We used to stay at this place called the Loser Lodge. Yeah, it's what? called the Travel Lodge. We call it the Loser Lodge. The Loser Lodge. We stay there every month. We get, yes. Did you work every with me at the Loser little... Lodge by any chance? But, uh, you know. I did not. <laughs> but... It was all booked up. <laughs> Okay, so we're at the Loser Lodge. All right. Every, we stay there every month. So we're after a show, we're in a show, we're in the hotel room. Sam and Fonzie, myself, and Scorpio. And Sam goes, Yo! Is this room 705? <laughs> we look at go, uh, look at the door. Yeah, it is. Why? He jumps up out of his chair, runs to the corner of the room, and he's just ripping the carpet up. The I go, dude, what the fuck are you doing? I gotta pay for that shit. The, don't destroy the hotel. Goes, just wait, just wait. Uh-oh. Rips the carpet up. He's looking for something. Pulls out an eight ball cocaine. I knew it. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going, what? Know something. We've been, we've been in this hotel six months since he put that there. Get out. And he forgot. Back then, he used to have to go to Utah to do work during the week. And they would put the table on the plane. So he hid in the carpet. And until he saw the number 705, six 
months later, that's when you remember he was there. So we're dying. We're hysterical. And he goes, Scorp, come on me. He was marching down the hall with a snot rag in his back pocket, no shirt, no shoes. That was him. Goes to the elevator. Fonzie and I are right behind the door. He goes, help me lift this planter. There's this giant freaking planter by the elevator. He was scorping, lifted it up. He goes, ah, ah, I got it out. He pulled out another fucking eight ball. This guy's planting wow. coke all over the loser motel. What the? Okay. Just this one floor, he had to leave that next day. But the fact is, we were there six times in a row before he remembered he did that. What's more amazing He's is special. nobody found it in the in-between. What the? Well, I guess you put no it in a spot, you're not really going to look, so. Yeah, you're not going to look like a planter or start digging up carpet for some reason. I mean, <laughs> they were great hiding places. They, they, they so were. good, he couldn't remember them himself. Oh, my God. That's but a the, typical But the room never triggered him. That's funny. Yeah. Six months later. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Listen, so you, I was going to ask you about this, but Sam since you brought rules. it up, I, I, I feel like I have to ask it. Um, Angel Amoroso, who was in studio here, um, one of your originals, she made a ton of accusations that happened to her in ECW, and some of it was quite appalling. Very. And I'm very. not going to mention the names she mentioned. No, no. But, and I'm not asking you to mention any names, but what I'm asking no. you no. is... Do you believe there's truth behind it, or do you think maybe it's uh, years have passed and there's anger involved, maybe, of her career not getting to where it had to be? Honestly, I love Angel because that night, there's supposed to be Peaches and Tigra in the Loser Against Strip match. We build it up. They come to the arena that night, and there's a pretty good crowd that's never started building audience. They look at it and say, there's kids here. We're not doing this. I said, guys, you told me you were, you know, what was going to happen here to do it. You can't maybe go back in stipulation. You're kill everything I'm trying to build up here. I'm not doing it. What's in here, Angel? Say, I'll do it. God bless our Angel. I appreciate that more than you know. You've got a job here. Always you want a job here. That meant a lot that she was trying to save my ass. Or not save my ass, but save the integrity of what I was trying to you know, put out there. I don't know anything about these accusations. I know there's a whole thing, website, with a bunch of wrestlers going back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever it was. I know realize that a lot of it happened, or any of it happened in ECW. She never came to me, and we okay. were very friendly. Okay. She never said a word to me. Okay. So I can't even respond to that. I, I would, I won't bullshit you about anything you asked me. But I really didn't know anything about that until, you know, there was ECW related until recently, until tonight. Fair enough. I just knew there was a bunch of names on a website. Sure. So how does a gentleman like yourself, um, from what I understand, you owned a jewelry store, maybe it was a porn shop. I'm, I'm not exactly sure which one it was. What makes you become and decide, hey, I'm going to build a wrestling promotion? How does that happen? First of all, that's a pandemic picture where I couldn't get my damn beard trimmed. You <laughs> <laughs> did an article about us. You look good. I like the suit. Go ahead. For the record. <laughs> the article, just the article was, our store's been there 163 years. Mm. It is a jewelry-only pawn shop or loan office. We get nothing but diamonds and gold. You don't see musical instruments. You don't see uh, radios, stereos, Game Boys. It's strictly you know, jewelry. And uh, 
interesting about Darnish is Carver Reed, the name I sort of, may be the only institution to survive two pandemics a hundred years apart. Right. I was like, holy shit, wow. Yeah. And that was where she went from, that was, yeah, that's where the gist of went from there. Uh, so, still have that story. And what I, how I got from one to the other, you tell me. I was a giant fan. I grew up loving T.K. Strongbow, Bruno, and, you know, Bulldog Brower, and Kowalski. I was a huge fan. Little kid. I said, over and over. I was always a fan, but hated what I was saying. Flipping through the dial on radio. Becomes an all-sports station in Philadelphia, WIP. I go, wait, what do you say? They were talking about wrestling. Now, at that time, 1989, maybe, mm. wrestling was hardly considered something you want to brag about. Your friends, oh, yeah, I watch wrestling. They go, what? Yeah, so, like, different time period. So I was freaked out. Oh, my God. And I'm going to say, everybody's Joe Goodhart, who had a promotion called TWA. So I just got to get my foot in the door. So I, I got to, like, this has been, I'm going to mark for this shit, wrestling, you know. So I, I take a commercial on a show. That's how we get to know each other. Once a week, 30 second commercial inquiry. Because, you know, we offer appearances at any restaurant you want. Because I can get you anybody. I can get to this chick, I get that chick, uh, the free words of Buddy Rogers, I can get you. Greg Valentine, anybody you want. So I thought about it, I go, what would be a real great champion to have on it? How about Missy Hyatt? So he's like, Missy Hyatt? I go, man, she was freaking stone cold gorgeous that. She had never had any work done. She was right out of Texas wrestling, young and beautiful. He goes, okay. He got her, Missy Hyatt. And she came in, laid across all my jewelry counters, and drew a crowd. Literally, you know, it's like any wrestler would have seen to her own crowd, which is fine by me. I never understood that day when I actually was shy around her that she'd been working for me for years and years after that. So of all the legends that you could have done with, you started with Missy Hyatt. Yeah, as a guy. Well, let's see. You can have Piper or Snooker or Maroc. I want Missy Hyatt. Hey. Boing. Okay. Well, no, I got they it. Were, if, they were under, if they were under contract, they weren't available. Snooker. Right. Snooker, uh, Snooker Piper. Yeah. But right. they were some big names. Right. Austin Idol. Uh, still feeling Missy Hyatt. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. What what does it take to to pick a lineup when you're starting a company? I mean, ultimately, the ECW roster was just future legends just waiting to be born. But when you're first starting it, I mean, it's not just Missy Hyatt. You gotta like put together a roster. W- what does that take? I pretty much uh, picked Joel's roster. He was doing these uh, once a month shows at the bars, and then once every four months, a big show in the Civic Center. So we had a local wrestling school with talent. And that's who approached me to just keep the thing going. He went out of business this one. Please just get a license. Bob Ortiz, I'll do the ring announcing for free. Steve Troy, I'll do the sound for free. Larry Winters, I'll do the wrestling for you know, 60%. <laughs> anyway, but they, they, they're all 
dying we can do this. So I said, yes. Got the license. And I was just doing bar shows. And I thought, you know, i got to figure a way to make this a little bit better. Like, drawing 80 people. Mm. And someone told me, I have a cold office in Maryland. Well, and it's only like 300 hours. Whereas most main event guys were at least 5 to 1,000. So I call him up and he goes, yeah, you don't know it. I'm sorry, I'm looking for Ivan Koloff. Yeah, this is me, this is Ivan. No, I'm looking for Ivan Koloff. <laughs> you don't yeah. sound like Ivan. Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm a mark. I'm just starting out. Go, Ivan Koloff? Right. He goes, yes, Ivan. I, you, know, you beat Bruno, right? We're doing the same Ivan Koloff. Yeah. Oh so God. I brought him up for like the first show. And uh, I said, like, who do you want me to put over? I said, what do you mean? Who do you want me to elevate? Who do you want me to lose to? I said, I'm going to ask you to lose to anybody. Are you kidding me? Fucking Ivan Koloff. No matter how you sound, not the accent. <laughs> it's like, dude, like, seriously. The whole idea of this is me to help elevate your guys. If they beat me, it gives them a rub. Therefore, they eventually can be cut. And that's one of the first lessons I learned. Mm. And with every progressive show, I, was, I learned on the fly. I was like a guy in stands. I was saying, I, just, I kept learning. I absorbed it all. I was like obsessed with absorbing it all. I never make the same mistake twice. And from Ivan, I went on to Jimmy and Jimmy in Morocco. Mm. But <laughs> I'll give you another, another good story. Ah, Cheers. Thank you. Chestnut Cabaret, <clears throat> a small facility <clears throat> that held uh, maybe four or five hundred people, which we never filmed, but that's what it held. We're in the locker room. I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Metal Maniac. Anybody? Yeah, I know the Metal Maniac. Yeah, we do. Yeah, what about him? He was Barrel, 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 I can't stand Barrel, him, Barrel Todd. Very good but friends. that's okay. <laughs> we are not good friends. He's a blabbermouth. A blabbermouth. But go ahead. Go ahead. I still have respect Ralph for him. Ralph Cramden, you're going to love this story. All right. Ralph, that's a very good Ralph Cramden, by the way. I love Thank the Ralph you, Cramden. Thank you, sir. I anyway, that. absolutely. You. You're going to love the story then. Mm -hmm. He was a guy, Jimmy. He drove Jimmy around, basically. He stayed with him, did his laundry for him. He was like his guy. Did his so laundry Jimmy for him. On, Excellent, excellent. Yeah. I'm writing that down. Did his laundry for him. Go ahead. And Jimmy was, uh, you know, would get him matches. A lot of times against himself. Mm -hmm. So the small venues, Jimmy against the Metal Maniac, who were in the locker rooms. I would call up and Jimmy and the regular guys, my, my guys. <laughs> and Jimmy looks at him and he goes, <clears throat> you, got, you got a blade? And I looks at his body and he goes, nah, I got this one, but it's all rusty. Jimmy goes, it's okay, brother. It's okay. And you see Maniac's eyes getting this big. as what? Are we doing color day, Jimmy? Jimmy goes, easy, brother. Easy. So he takes his rusty, rusty blade from Ivan. And he goes, up and up. like this. He throws it away. Maniac has no clue. They go to the ring. They start to work, and Jimmy goes, zip! And Ben's going, 
She's like, brah, squeeze, squeeze. And then I just go like, everything? And we just go, come here, and just, oh, she uses his fingernail. So he goes, zip again. Now me next to the ring, he goes, brah, squeeze. And he's like, he got so red. I thought his head was going to explode. And Jimmy never, never cracked a smile until he got in the back. And then he just laughed his fucking ass off. Oh, my God. It was just one of the first ribs I ever saw from, quote, unquote, superstars. And it was hilarious. And then he did his laundry for him, right? Well, afterwards, sure. <laughs> wow. Calgon, take me away. Wow. <laughs> That's great. How do you get involved with Eddie Gilbert? And mm-hmm. how do you eventually have a falling out with Eddie Gilbert? What goes on there? Dennis Carluzzo was a promoter in South Jersey when I first started. He was like uh, Joe Goodhart's you know, counterpart, whatever, competition. And uh, when I took over from our starting company, I said to him, I called him once, listen, I want a feud with you like you and Joel did. Let's make this easy. I'm a businessman. You stay in Jersey, and I'll stay in Philadelphia. Don't promote on my side of the bridge. I won't promote on your side of the bridge. Don't use the same guys as me, and I won't use the same guys as you. And we can both coexist beautifully. All good. Then I get a phone call one day. I've got a chance to do a charity show at the Philadelphia Airport Marriott. A convention and then a wrestling show that night. Yeah. Because I know I'm not, I can't promote their VR agreement, but I would like to cut you into the deal. Give you a percentage of the house without you laying out anything. I'll bring Sam and whoever you want on the show to work a match and get them made. Okay, I like the deal. At that convention, Eddie Gilbert, I'm sorry, Kevin Sullivan, bolts out the back door. The cops are after him. So he had to leave. <laughs> now that night, Kevin Sullivan's got a match with my dear Nancy woman, mm. and uh, I didn't remember who he was working with. So I come in and ask him, Carrie, to fill in. Carrie was a big name. Carrie, can you fill for Kevin? Said, yeah, brother. Okay. So I hand him a hoodie. He says, What's this for? I can go one year wear the hood when you go to the ring. So Nancy can say, Kevin's not here tonight, but don't, don't be upset. Look what I got as a replacement. You take the hood off, big pop. He goes, got it, boss, got it, boss. He walks away. Um, 10, 15 minutes later, he walks over getting me. He says, tell me again why I'm wearing a hood. I said, because Kevin's not here and he's going to bring you out. No one knows it's you. They don't want to see Kevin. I said, disappointing him. You pull it off, big pop. Got it, got it, boss, got it. That's time comes. He comes walking up towards the other ramp. I hand him the hood. He goes, What's that for? Oh my God! <laughs> he shot. I said, I said, oh. <laughs> I said, you no know, one's paying attention. What the? Nancy's uh, gonna take you out. And, uh, I tell the story again. He's, Got it. Music hits. You sure? He grabs it, jacket, puts it on, walks out, and says, "Carry across the back of his jacket when he's wearing a hood." <laughs> oh boy. It's got the tassels. It says Kerry, but he's going to surprise everybody and show who he is. Oh my God! 
<laughs> Man plans and God laughs. Oh boy, <laughs> this is rough. This is rough. It was his last match. Actually, it was his last match. He passed away like two days later. Oy. Sadly. Oi, oi. But, but that have... night, you have to live it. The story's still funny. But that night, I'm in the back. I see uh, Eddie Gilbert there. And I've just got this TV deal. Really, nobody knows about it. Mm. So I kind of sidle up to Eddie. And I, go, ah. I hear you book TV. He looks really good. You got TV. It was like a drug deal. It was hysterical. Mm. He's looking around. You got right. TV. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want anybody. He's paranoid. He doesn't want anybody knows his business. You got TV. I go, yeah, it's starting. I, I need to put the shit. Long story short, we made a deal. I brought Eddie in. It was great. He, he took me to the next level. Yeah. He started bringing the method style, like hardcore stuff up here. Yes. Again, from the beginning, I wanted to be extreme hardcore. That's what I was going for from day one. I liked that stuff. The people in the audience that were there, that they liked that stuff. And then he's bringing it up. Okay. I mean, it was, it was a lot like Memphis. He's doing the crown king of Philadelphia. Like, Lord, we're the crown king of Memphis. So he's like, you yeah. idolize Jerry Lawler. Would it be like Jerry Lawler? Mm. And um, so he, he mimicked a lot of that stuff. But it was new up here. We didn't get Memphis TV. So our people were digging it. And he was hysterical. We'd go out with our cameraman, Matt Radico. In nightclubs in Philadelphia. Thousands of people dancing. You couldn't barely walk. Here goes Matt with a big light on the camera. And Eddie wearing his robe. his crown. And he walked to this dance club going, the sunglasses, I, I can't, no time right now. I'll be back. I'll be. And everybody's looking like, who's this jackass? I know him. But it, that's what made it so funny. Because Eddie had a great sense of humor. There's a place called Jin's King of Steaks. Eddie would go up to the window, get the camera on his. Well, you can't be the king. I'm the king. He goes, what are you talking about? I'm the king. I'm the king. He goes, well, you can't be the king because I'm the king. I got the crown. And he get into an argument with this guy. It's like a little, literally screaming match with this guy. The guy's no idea he's being worked. And he's just, I mean, that made for great TV. He was funny. He was a really good guy. And boy, did we lose him way too soon. Oh, for sure. Todd, yeah. I got to ask you. I got to ask you. You know, up to this point in the story and up to this point in the interview, I have not heard Paul Heyman come into the story yet. And you just said that hardcore was your vision right from the beginning. So I'm asking you, because I know it would piss me off. Paul Heyman gets all the credit for the hardcore. Do you ever think to yourself, hey, wait a minute, what about me? You know, it wasn't, right. he, he had, what he did, but he did stamp on things, mm -hmm. took it from Eddie's level through the roof. Right. Don't get me wrong. Right. I give him total, you know, no question. Right. But he invented style. He invented the grunge music to go with his style, sure. which in itself was brilliant. Sure. I mean, I'm, a, I'm still listening to, to, to classic rock, and he's going, here, listen to this. It's Nirvana, it's this, it's that, it's here of the hot stepper. Like, well, shit's great. Mm -hmm. I mean, he really turned me on to all his music. And I loved it all. I used it, used it, used it, whoever it was, used it. I never said, 
Did it cost us anything? <laughs> and thank God it didn't. And thank yeah. God we didn't get sued for it. Because yeah. we didn't have any permission to use one song anywhere on there. That's why Vince's replays our, our stuff. It's all this generic music. Yeah. I mean, you got Public Enemy coming out going, Dottie, Dottie, Dottie. That's rough. Wait, what was new? It made no sense. It didn't right. connect at all. I mean, it's hard enough for Johnny Grunge to keep any beat, but when music they were putting in, it made Johnny even look worse. Speak, yeah, speak so, of Public no, Enemy. That was not a knock on Paul. One wrestler that wrestled under you was Ted Petty. How tough was Ted Petty in real life? Teddy was a gold glove boxer. Teddy, like Johnny, was close to being back then as Sam and Fonzie and Scorpio, those guys were. We were tight, tight. Uh, the night Teddy died, he was on his way to work a show for me. I was booking for Jasmine at that time. And he was coming to my show to work at a prior show. I did anything for Teddy. Teddy was like that. And Johnny, too. I mean, they were two of my favorite people in in the locker room. And Teddy was tough. No test of him or anything, but he was tough. And he had this unique and uncanny ability to go from a comedy promo, hey, Johnny, oh, no, 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 to bang on a dime. And Bruce Brothers, he would go from funny to intense. Just that. like that, yep. Yep. Amazing, amazing. I mean, not many people, there are very few people who do that. And he was believable in his comedy, believable in his intensity, like he's going to kill somebody. Teddy was great once he took that cheated kid mask off, and so it actually let him go. Hmm. Davio, one of the fans out there, has Davio. a comment for you. He says, Todd is the wise man, Heyman is the shady man. Ooh. Thoughts on that comment? Ooh. Look, for the first few years, Paul was my best friend back then. Sure. We collaborated on everything. Sure. Um, so I am not going to sit here and put a knock on him at all. You want to talk about it, how he, at the end, how things ended? Yeah, that was shady. I'm not going to lie. But for the first few years, he was honest with me. He was truthful with me. It was like Kevin Sullivan said, Oh, Paul, you would rather climb a tree and lie than stand on the ground and tell the truth. Mm. Well, I wasn't experiencing that back then. Right. Eventually, that became the case. But at the beginning, it wasn't like that. I mean, I'd be in Philadelphia, he'd be in New York. Go drive down the street smoking our dupes. And start with, how about retarded Dudley? We can't do that with that. Retarded Dudley? We, we can do we, we We just kept throwing out names. <laughs> You're throwing it out already. Snot Dudley. Snot Belly. Kind of like Snot Belly. Snot Dudley. It's not Dudley. It's not, it was Snot Guy. It was Sign Guy, who, by the way, was just a way to get back to the guy in the front row with the signs. Yeah. Yes. Sign Guy Dudley was there to get the guy in the front row with the signs. Oh, that's great. Playoff. That's great. We love the audience. They yeah. fed us. We fed it right back. I mean... The fact that we made a character just for one guy in an audience tells you all you need to know. It was such a symbiotic relationship, man. These people brought weapons to the shows. They had chance for everybody. Allah taught his God how to make that up. They did. 
Sure. I mean, Shara, 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 whoever it was, they were part of it. It was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Those fans were incredible. Yes. And we fed off of them. They fed off of us. And yes. it, was, it was awesome. Excellent analogy. I that love is, the Rocky Horror Picture Show yeah, thing. Boy, did you nail that. Again, yeah. before the next question, Farrell, again, I want to remind everybody, Todd is God, written by the great Todd Gordon, along with the great Sean Oliver. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an authorized story of how I created ECW. You can get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And I think Todd just said August 15th. It yep. comes out on audio for those who do not like to read. Um, who doesn't like and to read? I stand corrected. It what? has. It has. Most of my friends. <laughs> What's that? Most of the guys in the locker room. They don't like to read. <laughs> I believe it. Come to think of it. Yeah. But the good thing is, it has lot like a, a bunch of pictures in it. It does. They're glossy. They're, they're glossy. The, yes, yeah. you got to look for the glossy. All right, let's get back to the beginnings. Of course, in the beginning, you had. Guys like Morocco, a legend. You had Snooker. But the real key was building your own legends. So how about Sandman? Because he's clearly on the Mount Rushmore of ECW as far as the great, great all-time ECW guys. How do you meet this guy? And where does it come to you to like, you know what? This is world champion material, and I'm going to make this guy one of the main guys. I mean, we could do a whole show on this, but nonetheless, here it goes. Sure. He was one of Joel's guys. So when I was ready to the bar shows where Joel used to do the Mike Smith Sports Bar, I go in and you know, I've talked to all the guys, you know, here, come on, I'm going to book you. I book them all together. I go to the sports bar and the owner goes, you got it. Great deal. Tuesday nights, nobody's here. We'll keep the bar tab. You keep the rest of the tickets and the merchandise and you don't pay anything. Sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm liking it. Well, of course, yeah. Here's one thing. Mm. That guy is Sandman. He can't work here. I've not run a show yet. I said, what? Yeah. He spit on one of the waitresses one time when he's near the customer, and he's not welcome here. Mm. I said, all right, hold on. What if I can get him to apologize to that waitress? Can we forget a way to make this work out for both of us? Like a one month suspension, maybe two, but no more than that. Come on, they don't apologize. So I call him up like a dude. They're not on the show. What do you mean? You spit on the waitress. He goes, fuck that, man. <laughs> Gotta go in there and apologize to her. He goes, I ain't fucking apologizing that. I said, okay, then you. Hey, nice to meet you. Like, I can't use you anymore, then. It's the only place I'm running, so thanks. What's your name again? I said, okay. He came, so he came in and he apologized. There you go. And from that point on, it's 30 years later, 31 years later, we're still best friends. We've been best friends from that day forward. I uh, don't know. We hit it off. We had the same love of the Philly sports teams. Uh, we were born the same day. Uh, oh, really? Just okay. Yeah, we had a we we had this thing, this pattern. I, mean, I was with him today. He took me to some stem cell doctor. He goes to get shots in our backs and stuff. Because we're all like half crippled, unfortunately. Yeah. That's one of the by, byproducts of getting 
thrown through tables, yep. chair shots, yada, yada, sure, yada. Sure. We found some guy who gives us these, these shots and we're stem cellars. Like, it's like a homeopathic doctor. I'm like, I'm not going to some homeopathic doctor. And my own doctor said, you're a rock bottom. You've tried everything. You're like a cripple. You're walking with a cane. So I went. That's like a miracle. It's like shooting natural stuff like rose hips, blah, blah, blah. It, you know, and it worked. Mm. I would never believe it's humanly possible, but it worked. <clears throat> so here we are again, 31 years later. 40, 30, 30, 40% of the stories, of the funny stories in the book are about Sam yet. But he comes out, we finally get to use him again. Eddie comes along, Paul comes along, whatever. And I said, this guy's not getting over because his gimmick sucks. You know, he went to Memphis once because Lord's to bring independent guys from around the country. And Lord goes, oh, it's a good gimmick. And that's all we had to say. I love this gimmick. You know, no, you don't. The gimmick sucks. You're in Philadelphia. You're playing a character. You're not a character. You're not Duke the Dumpster. You're not, you know, a pig farmer. You're a fucking barroom brawler. That's what you do. Yeah. You work your ass off all week. You go to the bar. You chug until you have to beat somebody's ass. You get a fight. That's who you are. Yes. Turn I turn to pause. I'm going to change and turn his character. I want to completely redo him. Because what did you have in mind? I tell him. He goes, you can't smoke a cigarette at the, in the ring or ring yes, side. you can. I said, not only can you. Yeah. But you can drink goddamn beer, too. Oh, great. Great. He's, what are you, I said, Paul, one thing I learned from Eddie Gilbert is you can do anything in wrestling. He's going to try See what happens. Yes. So we gave Sam the new gimmick, which of course he took and flew with. Oh, he must have loved it when you told it to him. He must have loved it. Absolutely. But Paul didn't like the gimmick because we thought we couldn't do it. To his credit, following week on TV, our show comes on. All of a sudden, there's a Sandman promo in black and white. Nothing else on the shows are black and white. Mm. Just that. Mm-hmm. As he blows the smoke into the camera in black and white, it's like, what a visual. Mm. After that, we showed his matches only in black and white. Yes. The whole show's colored, except for Sandman stuff, Excellent. which made him stand out like, boom. Like, you couldn't ask to stand out more. 20 years later, 50, whatever it was, NWA tried, did the same thing. Yep. That's the first time it had ever been done. Yep. We're going to show all color. The one match, one person was always black and white. And it really elevated him and made him stand out. And the rest he did on his own was a tough bastard. And we'll fight and take it and give it and take it. And he made the rest have it on his own. But that was the elevation of Sandman. Uh, Todd, you must have smiled too because I remember the NWO on WCW doing black and white promos. But that's what, the, but that's what he just, that's what he yeah, just said. I mean, yeah. I didn't realize to the moment he just said that. That's yeah. where the NWA that's, promo that's came That's what from. I'm saying. Amazing. I, it, it was brilliant. Amazing, brilliant, Todd. Todd. Brilliant. Eric, Eric, Eric Washington. That was the black and white is Paul. I can't take credit for that. Okay. The gimmick, I gave him. Yes. But, that, but again, that was our collaboration. That's beautiful. I came up with this gimmick. He made, and he made it happen. Yep. And, yeah, that was us. Yeah. Little uh, wrestling Lennon and McCartney going on there. I'm liking that, you know, with the collaboration. That's sweet. Sweet. So, Todd. That's, that's where we started out. Todd, you're a fan, and you, you start this promotion. 
just being fans, you hear the stories, the ECW wrestlers were out of control, right? They, they were partying their asses off. How bad did it get for you? Did it ever get out of control? And if it did, how did you get out of it? For me personally or for me running the company? For you personally. I imagine, you know, you're being a fan. Now you're hanging with the boys. <coughs> they're drugging up a bit. Now you're like, hey, let me hang with the boys. Yeah. And I'm going to drug up a bit. Did you find yourself caught, caught up in partying with the guys? And how'd you pull out of that? Well, let, me, let me start it this way. Um, I, I used to make a joke back in the old days to do interviews in 92, 93, 94. That if you can pass a drug test, you can't get an ECW. Uh, <laughs> 30 years later. That's great. Yes, and it was funny then. 30 I'm years in. later, all people have died. But hey. 30 years later, all yeah. people have died. It's not as funny now as it was then. No. But back then, that was my big line. Sure. Hulk would come and say, yeah, we're, this is the land of misfits. Like, everybody's locker was a fucking misfit. I love it. Yep. And I had one rule. I don't care how fucked up you get. I don't care what you do. Don't do it until your shit's over. Don't come to the arena before that match and stumble around and you're done. I will hammer anybody for what you do in your private life. Don't let it factor in ring stuff. Right. Not your father. But I have someone who's running a business here. Mm -hmm. And if you could have been fucked up, you're affecting my business. And they are like, dude, that's a fucking cool attitude. Like, you got it. And nobody came to the ring fucked up ever. Afterwards, well, Hack did, of course. That was the beer, you know, whatever. Afterwards, whatever they did, they did. But really, nobody got whacked before shows, ever. Me personally, you know, it wasn't like I was a version of stuff like that. I mean, I, I had party, you know, probably in the 70s, for God's sakes. 70s. You know, girls were burning their bra and having free sex and drugs and sex and rock and roll. Pop was like, you know, you know that's what it was. It was everybody's trying everything, that experimentation. There's no HIV yet. There's no uh, AIDS. There's no, um, well, we almost do need it, I'm say, but. Another stuff they warned you about afterwards was prevalent back then. Right. Back then, it was like, damn, this is the greatest time of life to live. Mm -hmm. It's before things got serious again. We went, oh, there's trouble if you do that. And after the point, when people were saying, like, oh, no, we don't do that. So that middle period right there that I lived through, that's who I was. I mean, I wasn't some guy shooting needles and lanes, you know, the street like that. I went to college, I partied like anybody else did, so we did in the 70s. So here's the 90s, it wasn't that far removed when we were doing that. And again, I started hanging out with Sammy and Fonzie Scorpio, you know, that kind of inner crew, which expanded, like, you know, with Sabu and the Pitbulls. And then everybody's party, everybody did something different. You walk down the hall hotel, the drinkers in this room, the smokers all in this room, the pilly guys in that room. And that was not our scene, we were not the pill guys. We just like to hang out. We go to the shows. Sam had a van. We called the Sam Man Van. And he had a rule. The radio does not come on in the van. What are you talking about? He had a three-hour ride. No. We just bullshit and talk. And all we did was talk wrestling. Wrestling angles. Our personal lives. I mean, we became so close. And we never put, he never put that radio on once in that van. And, uh, yeah, all of us, like, and Nancy was the fifth. 
rest, God bless her soul, uh, for a long time. She told her I actually got Scorpio Fonzie in. It was just me, Sam and Nancy, and Peaches for a while there. And then uh, she had the other guys in, and that's the way it was. Uh, we just talked wrestling. And just, and Fonzie, my God, he's like an encyclopedia. He's been around for like 150 years. It's insane. Fonzie. He tells, we're talking about the story. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Was that with Lex Luger and uh, um, Bruiser Brody? Uh, Bruiser Brody, yeah. They had the. And Fonzie goes, oh, I remember that, yeah. I refereed it. <laughs> we were traveling for like seven months. You refereed it. How did you not ever tell us that story? Mm. That's fine. I mean, he just, it would come to him and he, he had more. It was unbelievable. But we'd pick up our matches. We'd talk about our angles. Like, what could we have done better? There was nothing but constructive criticism that we had. And it was just a relationship group group. So the party part, yeah, after the shows, <coughs> just like I told them, they can do whatever they want. I'm a grown man, I can do whatever I want. I'm to answer anybody. Uh, I wasn't being, I didn't be a role model, they're all grown men. There's nobody there like under 21. And these grown men who could do whatever they wanted to do. Uh, I certainly wasn't saying, hey, come here, buddy, let's go party. And I wasn't like that. I wasn't a big druggie. Now, but I got high and I drank, you know, we didn't blow. That was it for me. But we weren't about that as much as we were just like being together, living the wrestling life, feeling the whole like atmosphere and getting the whole, like I said, like watching the matches went over everything together. Yeah, I remember him. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so it wasn't really a problem for me. It was not a problem even, even a little right. bit. No one ever said once to me like, Oh, uh, we gotta watch the boss. He's out of control. I was never out of control. I was always in control. So but you were enjoying yourself, life, but fuck. you were enjoying yourself, but you weren't pulling a Herb Abrams. I got gotcha. you. Oh my God, no! <laughs> you were not. I, 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 was, Herb I, I never show up to a show high or buzzed or whacked or whatever. Right. Very no. good. Very Todd, good. you mentioned Nancy Benoit, a woman, a few times during this interview. When you found out about the tragedy, how how bad did that affect you? I remember maybe the first time that uh, Sam and I ever saw each other cry. She was such an amazing person, man. She was like, even though she was not a major factor in terms of in-ring, she was a veteran in her locker room from day one, even though she was with Kevin. Uh, then he left, and she was like, our, came with us, like that. She was part of our little group, in the group, and she was like a sister, a daughter, a mom. She was everything, all of us. Always carried a knife in her boot, just in case, and thank God she never, you know, I think where I saw her, but she never partied with us. I mean, she smoked in the car or whatever, but I mean, she would not, if the shows were over, she went to her room. There was never any rumors about her. She was just a good person. I mean, believe it or not, the first time I ever got color it, with Fonzie. And I couldn't decide I'd never done it before. Should I do it to myself or should I let him do me? She's the person I'm going to ask. Of all the veterans in that locker room, I trusted her like that. I said, Nancy, what do you think? That? She said, no. Never, ever, ever let somebody give you color. You get color, you, give, you do it. Ever put yourself in somebody else's hands. And she was just a great person. 
And I despise that son of a bitch for what he did. But yes, I love Nancy to death. I, I, I was going to ask you that question for the wrestling fans that are out there that still idolize and attempt to Benoit apologize just Chris, because he yeah. could wrestle. What kind of message would you send to those fans? Yeah. I tell them, well, get a fucking clue, man. Seriously. What are you, oh, wait, is it a CT? No. Oh, maybe it's a stranger came in. Here's a conspiracy theory. Conspiracy this. He's hopped up on roids, and he took from this world, not only a child, but one of the nicest, most wonderful people we ever met. I can't hear, I can't say his name. Let's not say him. Because he's a piece of shit. Kudos to you, sir, because I agree with you 100%. You couldn't agree more. And thank you for answering that question. Thank you. He is a piece of shit. I told you I'll answer anything. I'll try it. Yeah, he, he is a piece of shit. Um, all right. Where do we go from there? What are, um, what are, the, cha- what, what are, the, cha- what are the chances of a 60, just 60 second break for Rico? You've got a 60 second. Mm-hmm. Go. I right, love it. You're good. For Rico? For a refill. Oh, a refill. I a heard refill. Rico. I'm like, what the hell? All, All right. right. So, so far. Okay. Unbelievable. Oh, my interview. God. Are Todd you kidding Gordon. me? Uh, he's people, giving me goosebumps again, people, three times during this. Todd is God. Written by the great Todd Gordon and Sean Oliver. Yep. Yep. Um, and with, with glossy pictures. Voted by Terry, Terry <laughs> Funk. You got to look for You get it Amazon and wherever books are sold, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to tell you guys, I'm excited. I unfortunately, or fortunately, I just yeah. got the book late yesterday from okay. Amazon. All right, and you know, you don't I'm working read? all day. Didn't I, they have no, courses no, when we were kids? This, is, this to... is definitely my beach book. Yeah, you don't want to speed read um, that. Again, like I was telling people earlier in the interview, I was going to give Todd some shit because I couldn't find any pictures. It's but, right, but you found it. I found it. You right found away. it. But I'm really excited because, uh, look. Whether you're an ECW fan or not, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't a huge ECW oh. fan. I was out of my but I would say this. Yeah. I knew who Todd Gordon was. Sure. And I think in anybody's life, mm-hmm. when you're trying to do something, mm-hmm. you, you, you want to be a game changer. We talked about game oh. changers last week, game right? Game changer. Gordon uh, yeah. changed the of face of pro wrestling. Yes, he did. To this uh, day. You know, Still again, feeling it. Yep, Heyman gets a lot of credit for it, and he, and I guess he should, right? For sure. Yeah, but they, I want more for Todd. I'm being a pain in the ass about this. Screw you, Paul. What the hell? Well, you I, did, I love Paul Heyman, but I still feel like Todd should get more credit. I'm sorry, Todd. I'm putting you on well, the spot here. Well, with but this, that's how I feel. Well, with this book, and if people read the book, yeah, read the damn book. I think you're going to realize. Well, or on the 15th, listen to the audio. And again, I'm I'm really until he said it, I never thought about the black and white translating oh my God. to the NWO. Absolutely. All right, Todd's refilled. Let's hit it. Did you refill it to the brim? You you got it up to to the top there, or we want to get the best of you, or is it the worst of you, or is it both? Both. <laughs> both. There you go. Nice. Um, I want to switch over to, and we've had him on the show, and he had a show on our. Uh, channel one of your originals was uh tommy cairo can you share your thoughts about tommy yeah tommy was a great hand uh i met tommy when he and now little guido uh, came up to me one day in a show and said um we'd like to try out like we 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 need work we're local you know we're not expensive 
we're good hands, we like to do something. I said, well, we're doing a charity show at the Variety Club camp for developmentally challenged children, which was my charity at the time, and I was very involved in it. It's a free show, so no one's getting paid, but they're all, everybody's coming, because we're there. And we're already, that, that's a step in the right direction. They understood the fact that not everything's about how much you're going to make that day. And they came up there, and they did a great match. He was obviously they'd done it, you know, 15, 20 times before. It was so tight. And all of our guys were like, I never worked JT, but I never worked at Sandman. Let me do that. But these guys were tight, tight, tight. It was a no-brainer. Great hands. And they were good guys. They weren't like, you know, there's some people in the independent scene, for some reason, didn't realize it was the independent scene. Yeah. It's kind of Mike Kalua, King Kalua. You ever hear of him? Yes. Independent wrestler. Now I'm just starting out again. We're doing Barsha's 800 people. So he comes and I got to work with J.T. Smith, who's a rookie. Mm-hmm. I go, we're going to go J.T. up. He goes, I'm not doing a job for him. I said, what do you mean? He goes, this kid's been in business for, for a minute. I'm like, I'm not doing a job for him. And I'm looking around. I'm, Did I miss the TV cameras or something? There's 80 fucking people here. What? You don't have to do a job for him? No. Is it fine? Do a Broadway. They do. He leaves. Everybody leaves. Next show comes three weeks later. He calls me and goes, I didn't get a call for a show. I said, yeah. He never will. Ever again. I never used it again. And I was green back then. But I was smart to know, like, if I'm paying you to do the job, but as you get embarrassed on TV, it's 80 people. Are you kidding me? So, yeah, I never used to hmm. Todd, um, we spoke about the death of Nancy Benoit, hmm. but you've seen a lot of deaths over the years, uh, especially running an organization. Besides Nancy, what do you feel was the, the, the biggest death that affected you personally in the world of wrestling? Teddy and Johnny, equally. I was really close with both those guys. They were both special in their own way. I mean, I can tell you Johnny Grunge stories. It's like Sandman stories. It's all blue in the face. We called him our retarded puppies. He was just <laughs> always getting in trouble. But everybody loved him. So earlier, he always got out of trouble. Christ, the first night he went to WCW, the first night. I get a call from Teddy the next day. He goes, uh, Todd, I think we're fired. We're coming back. I go, what? You haven't been on TV. You just got there. He goes, Johnny stole the production truck last night. I went, what? He stole the production truck. David Crockett's production truck. Why? To go in the hood to get some coke. I said, drove the WCW production truck into the hood? His first night of the company? Mm. Yeah. I the guess now day, we know why it didn't work series. out so great in WCW. Oy. The next day, they're going to another town and they get the whole group of them on all the rest on a big bus. Dusty Rhodes, who also took the Johnny, because you had to love him if you knew him, got these guys to pose as cops and go on the bus 
Really, we're real conquerors at work. They bring Johnny Grunge off the bus in cuffs. Now, he's only been there for 48 hours already, whatever it is. And they're trying to arrest him for stealing a production truck. And in true Johnny fashion, you know what he said? I didn't steal it. I was just burying it. <laughs> and he meant that. I didn't take it. I didn't steal it. I brought it back. I just yeah. buried it. Yeah. I love that he said buried. Yeah. Buried is such a great word. I buried it. That was Johnny. Just, uh, I said, where was I? Was it? Oh, today on the way up to the doctor, we're saving it. I remember the story. Johnny Grunge, one time he comes in the locker room. Oh, pre show. <clears throat> a bunch of guys standing around. He says, uh, Man, last night I got the greatest blowjob I ever got in my life from this order. Really? It was a great. I'm telling you, it was great. And all of a sudden I looked down and she took her. At, it was a guy. He walks away. There's ten of us thinking, what? Johnny, everybody's running against him. What do you mean? What the fuck did you do? What happened? What did you do? I said, as soon as I come, I'm going to beat the fucking shit out of you. <laughs> what the? Pop the whole locker room. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. we were dying. Oh. We were dying. That's Aye. how funny he was. Oh, my Lord. You want another story like that? I'll give you another one, ready? Right? On the airplane to Florida. On the airplane to Florida. And from Philly, like me, Sandman, 911, Teddy, you know, all the people in this area, Stevie Richards, all in this area. And 911, he's the gentle giant. Don't get him mad. Don't ever shoot him either if you don't want to get him angry. I mean, he was absurdly strong. And absurdly big, and his whole body was rock. And he was long hair, rock world of plain. And he starts going, I'm really sad, man. And some lady says, What's the matter? He goes, My wife died today. Now, two or three people walk over, and left you. They're crowding around on the plane. He goes, I don't know how this happened. Like, it's three wives have died. I just don't know how it's possible. There were three wives. Oh, oh, they're all patting It was awful. My first wife, she died of eating poison mushrooms. And I know we live on a farm, but still, my second wife died of eating poison mushrooms. Are you kidding me? And he's crying like a big deal. And what happened to your third wife? She died from a blow to the head. She wouldn't eat the poison mushrooms. <laughs> I mean, this was ten minutes long before we got to the punchline. I thought, that was fucking great, right? That guy's gold. <laughs> couple months later, a couple months later, we go to the Lulu Temple, Shriner's Temple. We worked there maybe six times a year. I'm in the kitchen with all the little guys with the hats on, the Shriner hats. I go, I gotta do this. So he goes, what's up, Todd? I went, 
I, I can't talk about it. My wife died today. It's like, oh my God, mine died last week from cancer. I went, I'm sorry to hear that. I, had to walk, I, I mean, I just all set up to do, I wanted to do 911's joke. I was so excited to do it. The guy goes, yeah, my wife died of cancer. Joke oh, over. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'll be out of ringside if you guys need me. I'm really sorry to hear that. I was like, fuck. Like, I just once, I wouldn't be the guy who could pull a joke like that off. Yeah. Leave it to 911. Thunder stolen. Unbelievable. Were you, were you, yeah, that kid. Were you there for the mass transit incident? Ooh. Um, nope. With New Jack. Nope. Speaking of nope. Ralph Crampton, we nope. were there for the mass transit. No, no, huh? I was not. Mm. Nope. What did you did you what did you hear about? It? I'm sure you still were talking to the boys about it. Uh, I, I, of course, I heard wherever you heard. Okay, wherever you heard, I heard, and wherever another detailer right. put in there. You know, Todd, I got to ask you while I have you while I have you here. And I know it's probably not an easy question, but I would really appreciate a nice Grey Goose answer. How does it how does it make you feel that your creation that you and Paul eventually turned into what it turned into does it make you feel you know upset or melancholy or are you happy that ultimately it wound up in the hands legally of the WWE? Well, obviously, I'm not happy that it ended up in the hands of WWE at all. Okay, the fact that Vince hated that product and hated the well. He didn't hate the products so much. He hated the fact that his shows, and this for a fact, he hated when the fans yelled ECW. Mm. Especially 10 years, 12. He hated that. Mm. Like, if they would do something great, table spot, whatever, right away the whole audience, no matter what city they're just yelling ECW. True. And he, he couldn't stand that. I bet. So he thought, I restart ECW, and I make it. I'm the champ. They all hate me. Oh. I'll make them never yell ECW at my shows again because they'll hate the letters ECW. That was totally what he was going for. And guess what? It's now it's 30 years later. And a month and a half ago, at the Wachovia Center, during Raw, Paul came out, whole fucking doing on ECW. Yep. 30 years later. Yep. And with Vince trying everything he could to bury it. You know, nope. bury that mother. Like, I'm the champ. I'm ECW. Right. No one ever say it again. Didn't work. He couldn't kill the real thing. That's the bottom line. All right, Todd. This this is yeah. probably the most difficult question of the night. Uh oh. I personally am not a fan of Tommy Dreamer or oh. a fan of Bubba Ray Dudley. Here we go for a multiple amount of reasons. How are those two per those two people in real life? Are they good people? And uh, again, I just. Bubba Ray just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, he go. seems like he thinks he knows everything <laughs> in life. And Tommy oh, Dreamer, boy. and I'm, I'm trying to be respectful, Tox. I'm sure he could possibly be your friend. But, you know, when I hear Tommy Dreamer should be in the Hall of Fame of wrestling, oh, no. I, I just don't get it, honestly. it's He was, you know, an ECW guy that meant a lot to that company. But in the world of wrestling, he... You know, he's Tommy Dreamer, I, I guess. Where, correct me. Correct me if I'm out of if I'm well, out of line. Well, he's not here. Sabu to your defense. Correct. He's not Sabu. Right. He's not Sandman. He's not Rob Van Dam. He, he's not colorful. I'm sorry, Todd. It's just you know, 
there's a thing going on with us and Tommy. Nothing personal. You're you're not insulting me because I've had a rocky relationship with Tommy and Bubba and okay. Taz over the years. Okay. Mainly because they were quote unquote that New York click mm-hmm. that Paul made believe that I was the enemy and you know that I was really bold trying to bring the company down and Really? Okay. That's who but that's who we went to. That's that was his little inner circle. Gotcha. And the reason I did the book is that when I saw his DVD, which I participated in mm-hmm. in like 2014, 15, whatever it was, mm-hmm. I realized he was still going along with the party line. I said, wait, he never smartened them up. Mm-hmm. He never told them this is a work between the two of us because he was losing the dressing room. The dressing room was splintered. New York click, Philly click, Taz click, whatever. It was splintered. They've been a family for years. I built a family. Now it's Tony Sunder. So I, I got to get this locker room back. This is the time, as I told him, I was actually leaving for good now. It's like 97. So I got to say, like, we're under attack. How do we build our company? We build by saying, we're the little engine that could. We're the anti-establishment. We're anti-WDF. Anti-WCW. Yes. Here's, and that's how we all we all bundled together, huddled together, and we built ourselves a company. He goes, I've lost all that. I said, no shit. He goes, I need to get them all back together. It has to be us against an outside force. You're going to come out as the heel, as the mole, but listen, you'll never, ever, ever, in print, on TV, or anything else, hear me say one bad word about you. And he never did. He said, I'm going to you not to ever say a bad word about me. And I never did. But what I didn't know is that 25 years later, he had to smarten those guys up. So we've had this bad relationship ever. You know, unfortunately, and there's, we weren't close. Uh, you know, we're, we're certainly civil. And I got to tell you something. I recently saw Bubba and I said, of everybody in our damn locker room, you achieved more than anybody did. Didn't know we got along or whatever it was, but it pissed me off like this. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book. Mm. And I told the story to Francine on her podcast. She sat there with her mouth and was saying, wait, you two did that together? I said, no shit. Why didn't neither one of us ever spoke about it after that? I mean, if that was really true, don't you think he would have come out and said, how dare you, but not a word. If I really wanted to bring the company down, if anybody thought for one second, I'd take the tape library with me. I owned it. Instead, I knew if I did that, he couldn't run B-rolls of past shame matches or whatever I was trying to get across. Mm-hmm. I let me do all that. This is like someone's trying to take the company down to me. So it's like someone's trying to get their money back. <laughs> I try to keep the company floating, actually. So I played that role. I took, I took the fucking heat. My guys know Sandman who screwed with Sabu and my people know but told them all don't screw this up like this company's gonna go otherwise. It's your own job you got. Shut up, go to flow. So he's doing his new rocking speeches and all that they won the flow. But he never smartened those guys up. And that's one of the things Sean got so mad at me about is you've gotta tell the truth. You gotta tell people that was a work. And who cares after all those years? He said, I care. But if I care, you know what? I think other people would care. 
and I got to tell Who's you, I think, I think Sean's right. Great advice. I care too. Great advice. Yep. You know, it's you know, yep. people got to get their flowers when they're alive, right? Life's short enough. You you know, you deserve your flowers and you deserve to be respected. Amen. And uh, Amen. you know, I agree with Sean. We're going to let you go in a minute here. We're going to hit you something with called the Pharaoh's final question. I don't know what he's going to ask you. It's non scripted. That's true. Lately, he's been on a jet plane, but uh, but <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. That being said. <laughs> Uh, I just want to reiterate to everybody out there, Todd is God, get it on Amazon, written by Todd Gordon and the great Sean Oliver. Um, I'm going to be reading it at the beach this weekend. If it's raining, I'm screwed, but I guess I'll be reading it in my man cave. But I'm very excited to read this. I was going to say, what, they don't have lights inside, what you're saying? What's that? Don't they have lights inside? Don't they have lights inside? There's lights in your man cave. You can read the man cave. Yeah, I can read yeah, it, man. Can you're good. Yeah. Can but, I read it after you're done? I like but I want to look at the pictures. You want to look at the pictures? Yeah, I like you want me to share my book with you? Yeah. I don't know, man. All right, I'll get my own. I All should right. get my own. It's the wise thing Todd, to do. Before Farrow asks you that final question, I want yes. to thank you for coming on the show. You're an incredible human being. You're a legend in the sport. You deserve all the flowers that you yes. get yes. and you're still to get. Um and I only wish the best for you. You changed the industry for the good. Oh, yeah. That was you. You were the spark. Everyone knows it. And if they get to read the book, they're going to even know it more. Everyone so knows it now. I appreciate Sean Oliver and you collaborating and, and allowing us wrestling fans to really know what the truth is. Farrell? And before Farrell asks that last question, let me just Hit say... It. As I told you when I first came on tonight, you have I've been told nothing but like these guys they're awesome. Like your reputation is well deserved. You guys are fun to be with. I'd love to come on anytime. Thank you. Well Todd, thank you. I can only say thank you to that. Um really I'm humbled by those words and thank you for being so kind and coming from a guy like you and being just a wrestling fan, right? We make sure we make it clear. We're oh, not yeah. in the biz. Nope. We don't know shit. Hey, uh, okay. I know a few you know things. things. Not everything, but jeez. <laughs> we want to know the inside of the people that worked, right? I mean, you as a human being, it, it's very important that people just realize what you are as a human being. And, and this interview alone shows what kind of human being you are. Because you know what? You didn't back off any questions. You answered them honestly. Yep. And... Uh, you know what? I'm a Todd Gordon fan for the rest of my life, and I thank you for giving me that oh, opportunity brother, to become thank a you. Todd fan. God bless, man. And how about being able to handle his right. liquor, too? He handles his liquor. All right, could you hit him with the Farrell's final oh, question? I'm not going to hit him, but I'm going to ask him. Gee, what, ECW, instead, those days are over. Don't throw the table for Todd. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I got you here, and I know it's the standard question, but while I got you here, I want Todd Gordon's version of ECW's Mount Rushmore, I want the four. Give me four guys in your mind that are ECW to the to the founder, Todd Gordon. Funk, Sabu, Shane. And by the way, I don't know if you can answer this question. Funk, Sabu, Shane, Samuel. Bang, bang, bang. Funk, Bam. Sabu. That was quick. Well, it should be easy. In many ways. Now now I'm ruining it because now it was supposed to be the Pharaoh's final Oh, and now the Jets going to win the Super Bowl? No. What? Because I just thought of this. We, ah. had, Sab- we had Sabu in here. Oh, what a good and guy. And it was a very emotional interview. Oh, he's such a good and, soul. you know, we hugged after the interview. But oh. the one thing I want to ask you, 
being the success that Paul Heyman has gotten, <coughs> and he did this with the help of people like yourself of course. and the wrestlers. Of course. Do you think at this point that he owes a Sabu? Because Sabu seemed a little down and out. Do you think he owes some of these guys a little something to help mm. them get through the rest of their lives? Yes. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, he, he doesn't owe anybody anything. Mm. Um, honestly, he doesn't. Okay. He fuck these guys over, this guy over, whatever. Hey, that was that. He went on and, you know, he, he did what he felt he needed to do to become what he became. And God bless him, you know, he became main event every pay-per-view for the last, like, five years. And the best talker is still at age 58 or whatever he is in that whole group. As a human being, you know, he and I fought about Sabu. He wanted this block Sabu going to WCW. And I said, guy, he broke his fucking neck here. For five hundred dollars a night, they're offering three hundred grand. What are you doing? You tell him that he needs a contract. He has no contract. He never signed anything. Sabu didn't remember whether he signed anything or not. So if we got screwed over, if I got if we got screwed over, he doesn't owe us anything. You know, buyer beware. Buyer beware. And you know, and life wow. moves on. Yeah. Well, with that, wow. buyer beware. And I get it, Todd Gordon. What an honor. God bless you, sir, and thank you again. We acknowledge you, Mr. Gordon. Hey. Thank you, guys. The great Todd Gordon. Thank you, Todd. Thank you so much for the interview. Thank you. Jimmy, the great Todd Gordon. Uh, yeah, dude, I am covered in goosebumps. goosebumps. This wow. was like four times during the interview. What a mark I am. It's pathetic. It's not a mark. It's, I it's love, a love this guy. I just you love know that company. Here's the thing. I refuse to use the word mark. Right? Uh, because, man. again, there's certain guys that you have a love for. Uh, and Gordon is one of those is. guys. He is. He is. I love there's DCW. There's nothing wrong with that. Man. ECW was the little secret you know, I mean, back in the day, you it was it. to me. I just, I'm I almost go tearing back. here. We, what we, I'm, we uh, have, we have a sponsor out uh, there, right? Terrible. Hendrick uh. Fi Fine Art. Okay. And he made a painting of me and Jimmy, which right. I love. Oh, I have it hanging in my man cave. Beautiful. But it has Jimmy yes. with Rob Van Dam behind yes, him and does. the ECW emblem. Yes, it does. And mine has Piper and the WWF. Yeah. Now, again, I know yeah. how what a big fan. Jimmy is of Van Dam, absolutely. But the reality of it, Jimmy is a huge ECW, EC, and that again, I'll reiterate, is the spark yeah. of ECW. And you know yep. what? You know what I love? What? As as maybe disappointed as maybe Mr. Gordon is with Paul Heyman, or maybe that result came out, and I don't even know. He, he seems to be in, in, in a very but calm place about how, it. Well, Good look, for him. Look what he said. Buyer beware. Yeah. You only owe it to yourself. I know, but morally it would have been nice to be a human being, Paul. That's me talking. Well, I think that's be what a you human, said, too. I, Yeah, and I agree with him. on a human be, level. Come well, on, Paul. But as a person, whatever. <laughs> Again, I, I want to read it before you. we go. Yeah. Right? Todd is God. Todd is The authorized story and how God. I created Extreme Championship Wrestling. Fantastic. Todd Gordon and Sean Oliver. Sean Oliver. The forward by yep. Terry Funk. I'll be reading it. Guys, go to Amazon. Get this book. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you, I will give Absolutely. you a review on the book when I read it this weekend. 
Um, I want to remind everybody, tomorrow we've got the, the great Sal Carrenti in, 745. Yep. Yep. Uh, he, he wrote the book on Bruno Sammartino. Yep. And then right after that, that's this week in wrestling, so it's, we're doing an interview with Sal Carrenti, going a little interview heavy. And then at 9 o'clock, the great Barry Horowitz returns. Unbelievable. Um, what a week we've had. We've had a pretty we are, good week. We are having a killer week. We are having a killer Love week. It. Love and it. And it's all due Maria Davis. Maria. The first lady is here. What is Cher up, Maria? Bear is here. Hey, 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 um, yo. Our little, our, our little family that uh, supports us on a regular basis and allows us to do what we're doing. Yep. We love you guys. We love you all. And uh, Maria Davis will not be with us tomorrow. Okay. She's going to a concert, she told me. Who's she seeing? Um, Maria, she I think uh, she's got to tell me again. I oh, forget. Okay. I got to look. Um, okay. I know Metallica's in town, but, you know. I want to hit you with this. He asked me not to tell you during the show, but I'm going to have to. What? Hold on. You're going to hit me with Roger what? Roger F. Okay. told me. All right. That. This sounds like a song. Hang Roger there, F. Bro. told me. Um, All right. What did he tell you? Roger F. Roger F. I hope Abe doesn't know about this, uh, too. You guys set me up. What's going on here? What, do we, what, what is this? Hold on. It's Abe, right you, can cut to, you can cut to Robbie face. Robbie Robertson of the band. Okay. What about? Just died. Oh, my God. He didn't want me to tell you during the show he thinks you're influenced by him. Uh, I love Robbie. So I, go, I traveled you... to Connecticut to see the band with the great LeVon Helm, Robbie Robinson, so Rick Danko. send us on away with a little prayers for Robbie Robinson. Again, I want to reiterate, thank you, Todd Gordon, for giving us the opportunity to interview on, interview on Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Sir, you are a giant. Go ahead. You just hit me with a cinder block. It was such a great interview with Todd, but I'm thinking about Robbie Rob- Robbie Robinson from the band was one of the most underappreciated on the broad spectrum of, of great lead guitarists. He was one of the most underrated, and he was so joyful. When you would watch him do a solo, now if anybody doesn't know who this man is, I am absolutely begging you, go see The Last Waltz. The Last Waltz was the band's final concert in 75, I believe was the year, it's in, in the 70s. You'll see Bob Dylan, you'll see Joni Mitchell, you'll see a lot of a lot of famous Clapton, a lot of great musicians, Neil Young, I think. I mean, so many great musicians come out, and uh, the night they drove old Dixie down. Mm. Robbie, you were a legend, and uh, you put the low ride on me. Beautiful. And, and oh, remind everybody, Lord. last night was the finale with Marty Jannetty on Dark Side of the Ring, where we get to see our own Jimmy Farrow. What the? Interviewing Marty Jannetty That's on hilarious. So a bunch of texts start coming in after me. Like, did you see yourself? Did you see yourself? I think you've watched it way more than I have. I was just like, what the? I'm, I'm proud of you. But, I'm proud but, of you. Yeah, but be proud of the show because that was fantastic. I am proud that of the show. That was so fantastic. And hopefully uh, more eyeballs will uh, be checking out. Marty By the way, Jimmy Maria Farrow. says it's the honoring of men in the city of Pittsburgh, PA. Honoring of men? Honoring of men. Okay. Have I, to do some homework. You're gonna have to do a little I homework. I think so. All right, send us out there, Pharaoh. Maria, have a great time at that show. You've been watching Monty and the Pharaoh. Todd is God. Thank you, Mr. Gordon. And until tomorrow night, can I pat your back? Yeah. Later. <laughs>